0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal.
0: It's your very best White Sox fan friend, Brett Ballantini here, and I'm hosting a Southside Sox podcast. It's not the Mothership podcast. Believe it or not, we're doing it on the farm podcast because we're dedicating it mostly toward the draft that just took place earlier this week. And first of all, before we even get to our guests, shout out to the incredible coverage team that put together really something that was pretty unprecedented for Southside Sox, 20 different profiles. I mean, obviously we've done real time. Profiling uh, as the draft goes on, but those have been consolidated into one story, haven't necessarily been individual stories. We did 20 different pieces. Hopefully, you read them all. If you didn't, go back and read them all. Uh, It was Jeremy Carl who really did the yeoman's work in terms of editing and sort of bringing home everything, doing some writing on pieces as well. But he really took over for me there and brought that all home. So Uh, All your thank you notes, please direct to him. Don't direct to me. It's just going to be embarrassing to have to take that big sack of mail and send it out to South Dakota. Uh, Super Joseph Reesus, who decided not to show up. I think he's actually on minor league update duty tonight. So he's just too busy watching four or five games at a time to actually talk to us about the draft. Joe Reesus did a great job on the draft as well. Jake Mastriani uh, took uh, two, three picks. Darren Brown, newcomer, uh, he took a couple picks, top, a couple few picks. You know, the hamster did one. I think I even did one. And then out of nowhere, we didn't think we were going to get Darren Black. We thought this was going to be the first draft. There's going to be no Darren Black. He said, forget that. I'm in. <laughs> and he took those killer... Uh, what was it, 18th round, 17th round, 20th round, just the key picks. He got the key picks, let's face it. So (laughs) uh, a terrific, terrific uh, effort from everybody. And Jeremy Carl, who is with us here today, he's the one who really uh, shepherded that for us. So thank you, Jeremy, for that. And thanks for joining us here on our draft podcast. It's Southside Sox on the farm. It's number nine. Darren Black is letting everyone else join because it's just, just his gig. And he's saying, all right. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll let some other guys in and guess what? Straight out of Louisville. Louisville, right? I hope it's still in Louisville. Uh, Trevor Lyons. Thanks for joining us, Trevor. Uh, some key scouting info that you provided to us. Uh, we'll get to You're that You're welcome. Soon. I am
2: still in Louisville. All
0: right. Good. All right. Still mostly Eastern time zone. Sorry, Darren. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Jeremy, we're half and half. Can you believe this Trevor? This is weird. It's not just an Eastern time zone podcast. All right. Uh, Okay, the White Sox had the greatest draft in Major League Amateur Draft history. It's gone; it goes all the way back to 1960. That predates me, all the way back to 1960. This is the best draft that has ever been. That's according to Mike Shirley, and of course, we're going to trust him. He's the director of amateur Scott. We're going to trust him. The best draft ever. But of course, what are you going to say? The funny thing is, despite how great this draft was, the White Sox don't even know where to play any of these guys. They are they're they're down a team. They're going to just cram guys in 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 Camelback. Probably going to just do a lot of BP and uh, pitching practice. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But, okay, after uh, on the heels of this greatest draft ever, a consensus in the room, how do you feel about this draft, guys?
1: I feel short. Everybody except a couple people were over six feet. (laughs) That was my main takeaway. (laughs) Even guys several years younger than me. Are, no, about a foot taller. Shot either. right past you, Darren. Yeah,
0: It's all about the training table, Darren Black. Yes. Kids these <laughs> days. Uh, what do we make of the fact that, um, okay, uh, the White Sox drafted two prep players, uh, and obviously those are sort of the diamonds of the draft for them two prep players right away, and everybody was like, man, the White Sox are changing their draft philosophy. They're really going, they're going, they're going to go younger. Uh, they're going to abandon their philosophy of the past. And I understand why maybe they took the next 18 picks they did, probably based a lot on the fact that they got the two guys at the top of the draft. But mm-hmm. what do you make of the fact that, that there was some early, hey, the philosophy's changed, and then it's like, well, not really, because there were only two more prep guys selected out of the uh, the following 18.
1: Uh, I mean, the this is – so obviously all the prospects that are good are up in playing with the White Sox right now, but they have a decent crop of quad A guys that are still there. So this is how you rebuild a farm system is taking prep guys with your higher draft picks. Um, it sounded like they might have gone high school again if Sean Burke wouldn't have uh, dropped to them. It sounds like Shirley was pretty surprised that he actually got there. Um, but they did take at least one more. Uh, Tanner McDougall, um, who's was born in 2003. If you want to kind of get an age of how young these guys are, um, but yeah, this is just how you, this is just one of the first steps to rebuilding uh, a farm system that's all in the majors, um, and hopefully they kind of do the same, uh, going for the younger guys in, in international draft pool or not draft pool. Well, it could be a draft, but international pool that they do. Yeah. Um, but this is a good first step.
2: Yeah, I think that's just also kind of, as Brett was getting at, the nature of the beast when you do go high school early on with the way that the draft pools are set up, you're usually going to have to pay a premium. Or some of those guys are going to be overslot guys in order to be able to get them into the farm system because they have that leverage of being able to go to college. So that kind of forces you to be a little bit more cost-efficient uh, on a lot of the picks later, and that's why you see some of these college seniors or the older college guys that may not have that leverage just to save some money on the back end. But as uh, as we were talking about, as Darren was saying a little bit, the White Sox position players in general are pretty set for the next, the, the way that they've structured these contracts and gotten some of these extensions or some long-term deals early on in these guys' careers, the Sox position players are pretty set for the next three years at least so moving to a a high school based at the top of the draft draft makes a lot of sense because these guys are going to take a little bit longer to develop and be ready Um, and the Sox really don't have room for some if if they were to take like a college bat that's MLB ready in the near future they don't really have too much room.
0: Yeah, not not that they they had the option really. I'm surprised. I was a little bit shocked that Mike Shirley remembered to pick when he did. The White Sox were picking at 22, which gave them less money throughout the draft too, and that's a consideration here in terms of who you're drafting and how much you can throw at some of these guys up top. But the White Sox picked uh, well. There's 22. It's like It's been I think about 35 years since they've actually uh, picked <laughs> yeah. that low. So I'm like, I'm sure they're looking around the room like, wait, is it our turn yet? He kept hitting the buzzer, and and the commissioner was like. Dude, just chill. you got to wait to 20. you, you got to go after the Cubs. What's going on? Uh, no, out, uh, no outfielders taken high. Now, is this just because the White Sox figure uh, we're just going to put catchers in the outfield? We're going to put pitchers in the outfield? We're going to put front office staff in the outfield so they don't really care about folks in outfield high? It struck me interesting. Obviously, the two guys they chose, uh, it seems just like you referred to it, in Burke in the third round being uh, still being there it seemed like Kath as well as like they were a little surprised in the second round that he was there. So they sort of like felt had like they had to take him even. They sort of duplicated, you know, duplicated two guys at the top of the draft uh, surprise and all. Um, no outfield uh, high or prep, uh, or is that not that big a deal?
1: Um, well, speaking of duplication, uh, at least they weren't the angels taking only <laughs> pictures. <so. laughs> that was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Mike Trout's never going to get help.
2: yeah the the 10th rounder andy peters out of morris high school my high school is going to struggle with 19 other guys entering the system at the (sighs) same time as him oh
0: gosh but
2: they're not why
0: you're listening (laughs) they're going to get a complex league team that's just pitchers perhaps they're going to get a third team that's just pitchers yeah you know, or yeah, they're going to develop more Otanis. Um, all right. Let's uh, quickly before we uh, we're going to break at some point, but uh, I'm going to give uh, our uh, captain of coverage here, uh, Jeremy, a chance to uh, actually speak here. Jeremy, give me your um, it can be the number one guy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be some sort of like sneak sleepy pick or something but who, who's the guy who jumped out the draft who you sort of like um you know obviously we all like the first rounder most right whatever but in terms of the uh, in terms of this group of guys where it's all just sort of a clump after you know first two three picks uh who's the guy who st- stood out uh stood out for you Oh, oh Jer- yeah jeremy is um uh we cannot hear him so how about this, jeremy? when you okay he's he's leaving and he's coming back. so this is nice. This is like <laughs> we always have a cool uh, you, It used to be pets, pets used to just crash. Uh, every podcast and lately it's been more like technical difficulties like me when i decided not to plug my microphone in and forced, um force darren forced me to yell at him because i didn't have my microphone yeah. plugged in that was a good microphone highlight podcast. and then we had uh, some dance music once that was cool too so oh wait here i gotta let Jeremy back in we're gonna see if he can speak but otherwise you guys are on the clock you guys are gonna be thinking about who your guy is now we're gonna give jeremy a chance to actually speak if we can hear him about his sleeper pick and it's gonna be a good one now because we've been waiting And it looks like he is still, oh, he's connecting to his audio. See, look, th- this is the professional <laughs> podcast that you looked for from SB Nation and Southside Sox. Uh, mm. And I'm laughing at myself, Jeremy. I am not at all making any light of any technical difficulties because we have them every podcast. But uh, you can just shout out whenever you wish to see if uh, we have your audio. Oh, it looks like maybe we still have some. We may still have some audio issues, and this is not so good. Oh, boy. Well, um, Jeremy, you're welcome to keep trying to come back in. Uh, otherwise, you will be with us in spirit for this podcast because you really are the guy who deserves the most credit for the great coverage that we did. Really unprecedented here in 2021, uh, and you really do deserve to actually have some time to speak. But if it doesn't work out, uh, we will get you on a podcast as soon as possible Uh, and you are uh, welcome just wear funny hats uh, put a crazy shirt on just to you know contribute in that way and just in in a kabuki sort of way because otherwise uh, yeah I'm afraid the audio probably isn't working but in case you want to keep working on it at all uh, Trevor Darren you can hop in with uh, with with your 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 sleeper pick
1: Uh, yeah so I just based off of um, uh, reading obviously the first three picks are what they are they seem pretty great um but uh just reading about Tanner McDougal um he's the youngest guy they drafted as i said earlier 2003 was the year he was born um so he's turned 18 this year he's 6 foot 5 um and's already throwing mid 90s and he apparently has a pretty good curve and slider um and just knowing that he has that advanced breaking pitches already is pretty decent um, he's six five so I'm guessing that low mid 90s is going to go go a bit higher once he fills out his frame uh, works with the strength and conditioning guys in a major league level instead of you know with the high school level which is probably very different um, but just really excited to see a young projectable arm um, hopefully they are able to sign him because he is out of high school he's mm-hmm. going to Oregon right. Oregon I'm not so I'm not hundred percent sure how to pronounce northwestern states um, but it's he looks great. Hopefully it works out, but if money becomes an issue, obviously they got to go the first two guys, but yeah, hopefully yeah. he sticks. Yeah.
0: And he's a guy that uh, our um, Dan Victor long rumored to actually appear on one of these uh, farm podcasts, but we are <laughs> on number nine and we haven't seen him yet. We haven't even seen <laughs> Venus. Victor his dog on this and, and actually she's got the invite I think I've invited her more times than I've invited Dan but he reached out to I forget on uh, on Twitter what he tweeted out but his, his coach or uh, I forget exactly who it was but uh, maybe it was a scout uh, had some really really high praise for you know competitive preparedness uh, it does sound like uh, there was some sort of wanting to hype uh, McDougal up a little bit as like Ready and legit. And I don't know if that's just to, to get the money that he needs to get or, or what, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, then it's just a matter of, uh, you know, obviously the White Sox decided to select a prep guy in the fifth round, knowing that money might be limited. Uh, for a reason. So hopefully they're gonna, they're, they are going to earmark a little bit of dough. Uh, Trevor Lyons has been feverishly preparing for this podcast. I'm going to give him just a couple more seconds to prepare because right now we are going to take our break because I don't know, where else do we break? This is, we're just talking about the draft, and we're just zooming through it. So we will be back in just about a minute. If you're watching this, boy, you're going to just snap your fingers, and we're going to be right back.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly.
0: Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini, your favorite White Sox fan in the whole wide world. I'm hosting, once again, go figure, Southside Sox on the farm podcast, number nine. Uh, it's not really too much on the farm. We're really talking draft. Guys who are going to them, they're headed to the farm right now. They pack their overalls, they pack their boots, they pack their hats. Trevor wore his hat. Darren didn't wear his. He's still waiting for the Cannonballers hat. I don't know what's going on with that. Once he gets a Cannonballers hat, that team is going to start winning. Uh, we left off uh, with all our favorite sleeper picks, I guess we could say. Darren, uh, yeah, he's sandbagging us a little bit because he picked a fifth rounder, but that's okay. There were no rules here. Uh, Trevor, tell me the guy that jumps at you. I have a feeling I know who it might be, but tell me who jumps out at you as sort of the White Sox sleeper pick or your favorite pick from this draft.
2: Yeah. um, I don't know. He's, he's my favorite pick because I have buddies that played against him this whole year that love him. Um, So Fraser Ellard, their eighth rounder out of Liberty university, which is in the same conference as Bellarmine uh, just shot a quick text to a bunch of my buddies. And I do remember even prior to the draft, one of my good friends was talking about this lefty closer out of Liberty that he said was the nastiest guy in the whole conference throws from a low three quarter arm angle at 93, 95, uh, with obviously coming from that arm angle, kind of Aaron bummer, like, uh, has a lot of sink on his fastball and he'll drop down even lower to more of a sidearm at 90 to 92, uh, with a wipeout slider, according to them, uh, hides the ball. Well, they said it kind of jumped on him. Um, and he, he dominated Bellerman, and then, uh, The other notable thing about him that y'all will like is uh, they said after his last warm-up pitch, he'll take the rosin bag and chuck it straight down onto the mound at about 90 miles an hour, quote, like a psychopath. So (laughs)
0: That's all I care about.
2: a little intimidation even before <laughs> stepping into the box. I don't care about the, the best team in the conference. I don't,
0: I don't care about track man. I don't care about any guys. I just want to know the guy chucks the hell out of the rosin bag, does something yeah. nutty, does like a mad Hungarian thing like the Mad Hungarian Al Haborsky or you know a number of other guys. Uh and hey, it's got some stick. And why yeah. not? If you're a, if you're an eighth rounder, you probably need a little stick. You know, he's a senior noticed. guy, so he's
2: he's kind of a cost saver, you would think. Not going to be a huge bonus guy, Um, but sounds like he has some good stuff. And then if you do want to get into more of the track man type stuff, I know Darren talked a little bit about McDougal. My guy, Luke Smales from Dugout Metrics, shout out to Luke. He uh, (laughs) has some good data on both him and their 20th rounder, uh, saying that they're super, for the advanced analytics community, they have very high spin fastballs along with high spin breaking balls. I think McDougal's was over three thousand RPMs, which is off the mm-hmm. charts, um, and then their twentieth rounder uh, out of TCU. Um, what is his name? Halen Green. Yeah, um, another 50th also year. has some also has some great spin rate um, and some advanced metrics that are uh, based on Luke's pitch data uh, models. One of the one of the top arms out of college.
0: Second best arsenal, according to Luke, uh, behind just a, a much more heralded uh, UCLA pitcher, I believe. And that's no small thing. I mean, as he pointed out in what he tweeted, uh, a relatively small sample size, but still, I want to say it was like 200 or more pitches, uh, so not nothing. And again, for a 20th round guy, if we were talking about like we're splitting hairs, you know, your first round or something might be like, okay, that's a small sample size. You really want to throw an extra million at the guy because of that. We're talking about a 20th round that you sort of like almost stole a guy who maybe would have ended up being, you know, undrafted free agent, a contract for somebody. Uh, It's looking sort of clever. And I don't just say that because the guy's a horn frog. I would. I would. But the fact that Luke backed it up with some good data, it's pretty awesome. And I think, you know, Luke went on even to say that, uh, again, this this rumored dugout metrics podcast I've heard about somewhere that I think used to run on Southside Sox, but I we need I, to get I, back um, at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's... I've you know it's been a tense season I, i've forgotten what what podcast we had and what we didn't uh so maybe that didn't actually run on south side sex right, you, you can you can um you can uh, uh message me afterward uh trevor and tell me about more about this dugout metrics podcast i heard about but uh you know what <laughs> we'll luke, luke too yeah, well, yeah, that's luke, yeah he's probably the culprit it's his fault you're showing up <laughs> <laughs> it's Luke's fault. That is a jerk. Okay, but, you know, when he's not tweeting stuff about his tr- his precious TrackMan data. Uh, no, but what he pointed out, too, I think was, if I haven't completely lost my, my train of thought, is I, I think he connected that to uh, the, the proposition that he might actually be able to move through the system. Though I mean, again, at TCU, uh, uh, Halen didn't exactly, you know, he didn't like the word on fire. But he seemed to make connections and said that there's, there's a chance, I guess a chance for any one of these 20 guys, but there's a chance for him to maybe move a little bit more aggressively through the system based on what he saw. But, you know, I'll let him speak for himself on a future Dugout Metrics podcast if it actually does run on the South Side Sox uh, network. OK, well, that was naturally <laughs> he's a horn frog, so he was probably the guy I was going to pick. But you stole my thunder very nicely there. Uh, Trevor oh, and that's fine. Shoot. one guy that jumped out at me though as well and this is a sucker punch I know because uh this is I'm going more off of numbers and what the guy's performance is, was and it seems to me I think I even suggested this within our group slack during the draft and that was it seems like a guy maybe have already may have already peaked but a guy that stood out to me being somewhat undersized but just sort of getting the job done I liked I think the six-round pick uh Taylor Broadway uh as a guy who might be able to come in and, and, and get a shot to close uh, right off the bat and you know maybe see what he does with it maybe he ends up being a i don't know a zach thompson kind of guy who really doesn't ever really sort of get past where you need him to get uh but as i wrote him up i only think i did two or three this year but as i wrote him up I thought, man this guy it's got some pretty nice. I know numbers sort of don't mean anything. It's like more the track man stuff. It's more the potential. There was the guy on Twitter who was yelling about the Bradley pitchers who, uh, both had like 450 plus CRAs. Why are we drafting? You know, it's like, well, geez, if it was only just about college ERAs, especially given these last couple of years where you have like 50 yeah. innings, if you're lucky to go off of like 20 innings to go off of, you're going to have to sort of make some other stuff up based on these last couple of seasons. So we can't get too up in arms about it. It really isn't about just the numbers, but for a guy who had some pretty nice numbers, that guy sort of jumped out at me. Uh, so I saw just went any one... relation
2: to Lance. Oh,
0: thank goodness. No, but the thing is, I think, <laughs> uh, I think his I want to say, I might be getting my guys mixed up, only 20 players, but it's still easy to get confused. I believe his dad is a professional athlete, professional bowler. Oh, okay. So not Lance broadly, but professional. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, this guy, I think this is a guy also uh, who was uh, born on my 30th birthday. So Darren's always mentioning things about AIDS. Like, you know, he's about to die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy born on my 30th birthday. So I'm going to go to sleep now. It's getting Ooh. a little late for me. So you guys just bring this one home. Oh, okay. Um, let's, uh, uh, so no concern. The, the, the balance of high school and college, we shouldn't necessarily, look. first of all, it's a 20 round draft. I don't know if this is the way it's going to go going forward or not, it may be, but I mean, it's still an anomaly compared to everything up until last year. Um, So the balance of it being uh, would this be 80% college players, we really look at this more having to leverage some of that cost savings uh, more than like sort of blown it uh, philosophy wise from the organization of like, Oh, they're not They're, they're, they're still scared. To go too young. Uh, what, what's what's the takeaway here? I know we touched on it a little bit, but give me you got both of you guys' takeaway uh, on that. Sure.
1: So I, I think the main takeaway is that they went high school, high school, mm-hmm. um, and then they again took Sean Burke, who they didn't expect to be there, and then a college guy, and then high school again. So the okay. top five rounds okay. uh, look are pretty young. Uh, even the even Sean Burke actually has a year of eligibility left. Or two. I'm not sure how NCAA is going to continue with the COVID pandemic rules they have. Um, but after that, it's there's quite a decent a bit amount of fifth year seniors. Those are guys that you that are coming out. Like they can't go back to school, so they're not going to cost that much. And what matters is is the top guys. Like we we all look at the stats about the White Sox having X amount of first rounders on their team. And so that's just kind of how you got to look at it like that. Yeah. Uh, the top picks were high schoolers. So they were going young and then they have to supplement. I mean, it's 20 rounds. Yeah. It's not 40 where you can waste some picks on Larry King's grandson <laughs> or anything like that. Um, though I do kind of miss the ACE program pick. That was always fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, I would say that this draft is young and then they just have to supplement what they have. Um, and then you, I'll probably expect releases from Canapolis, Winston-Salem, once they actually get signed and start going through the system. Um, but it'll, it'll just depend on how the top, top guys do. Um, maybe they'll find a guy that's later on in, for the bullpen, your senior guy. Uh, but high school, high school, year of eligibility left, year of eligibility left, high school is the, what people should be paying
0: attention to. Trevor, does that check out with you? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. Um, And also, the fact that we were talking a little bit earlier how their first and second rounders are kind of similar, both left handed hitting. Mm, As of now, middle infielders, I don't think that that matters whatsoever, especially considering the fact that these guys are high school guys. I consider high school guys to be more of dart throws, even in the first round, you have a super, super high ceiling um, with all, all these guys compared to a college more polished player. But they so far away, there's so much that could happen, whether it be trades, whether it could be injuries, anything like that. Um, and also kind of noteworthy, a lot of the super data driven teams prefer younger high school guys that are young for their class. Mm-hmm. Um, and both yeah. the first two picks are actually kind of on the older end of the spectrum, old for their class. Um, but I do, I do really like the way that they went um, from everything that I've read and seen about Montgomery and Kath. Montgomery's a three sport athlete. Mm-hmm. So someone like that, uh, I've seen it in college. When you get a, a guy that starts to focus on baseball specifically for the yeah. first time, there's a chance that he could absolutely blow up. And it, it, yeah. in a year or two years, this could be looking like an absolute steal at number 22 overall. And Cath, was also kind of a late bloomer. He wasn't really on anyone's radar too, too much as at least not as a top two round pick. And then uh, I was watching a video that he was interviewed in and he talked about how he went from three workouts a week to a more structured workout plan with speed training and five workouts a week. Um, And that seemed to be kind of the switch flipping. Uh, He said he Improved his sixty time from a seven one to a six seven, which is insane. Um, so if he can, you know, continue some of that momentum and keep getting better at that kind of a crazy rate, um, the sky's the limit for a guy like that too.
0: And we got some interesting uh, feedback on site when we're talking about like comps, you know, especially in the first round. You're you know always comping guys, and I think Corey Seager's a guy who came up. Uh, A lot for Montgomery. It's like, okay, you know, and I get it. You just take all this stuff with the grain of salt. Uh, But let me throw another one out there. And it speaks to your point, Trevor, and that is uh, a guy that we know pretty well. Who's our shortstop right now. Uh, Focused on one sport, was drafted, went into the White Sox system and didn't take off. Uh, insanely, but uh, Tim Anderson is a guy who was a two-sport player and arguably as is, is good or better in, in basketball, uh, took off once he, you know, he really picked up his pace once he got uh, baseball-focused specifically, and I'm guessing that Tim Anderson's attack toward the majors is not in any way, just with the leaps and bounds that have been made in just five, six years, anyway as as structured as what montgomery's is going to be uh in terms of the coaching he's going to get uh and the guidance and the instruction uh you know another thing that came up a lot key barnum being the last prep guy picked in the first round of 2013 and like uh, oh you know that's scary but uh, i mean come on it's a first baseman i mean it's 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 a, obviously it's a completely uh different animal i may mean, turn out no differently uh mm-hmm. montgomery may get no closer to the majors but I think he gets a lot more of a running start than Kian Barnum ever did, just being a first baseman. Uh, And and obviously, again, 2013, that's like 8,000 years ago in sort of training mentality, you know, time. It might as well be a whole different Mm -hmm. era. might as well be the dead ball era, right? So uh, you can't really make those comparisons in, in any way. One thing I'm looking for before we get to an actual little bit of minor league talk, I'm looking forward to, I'm not sure if Frazier Ellard is one of those um, fourth year guys where he's basically got nowhere to go, so he has to sign. But if he is, I'm looking forward to him just insisting on $10,001 instead of just $10,000 minimum. I'm just looking for him to just hold out for something really goofy because he seems like he's a little bit off. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing just on the list of all the signings where he's just like ten thousand dollars in one, just cause. Yeah, so, so I'm looking set forward to set the precedent.
2: Yeah, obviously well, like, for an eighth rounder, any publicity is good publicity. So if he can, if he can yeah. do something like that, might as yeah. well.
0: He will demand fresh ros- fresh new rosin bag every <laughs> inning because then he yeah. can, you know, uh, commence to destroy it. Okay, also, guys. Um, oh yeah, go ahead.
2: Sorry, Brett, but one yeah. last thing I had okay. for Colson Montgomery, our first okay. rounder. Um, one of my buddies that played with me at Bellarmine is now coaching for the Bois County Bombers in Colson Montgomery's hometown. Okay. Um, that's a, a college summer ball team. And he said that Montgomery took batting practice with him a few times and was just a different animal completely from any of the college polished guys on their team. You could tell it was just different coming off of his bat. And also one maybe more negative memory of (laughs) colson's i'm sure and it might still be a sore subject but apparently when he was a sophomore in college or i mean a sophomore in high school state championship game pop up to him dropped to lose the game to lose the state championship but apparently he won the state championship this past year so maybe maybe it's all good
0: General, i am not super suspicious, but any of you listeners who are just rewind or pretend that didn't just happen um uh yeah so um yeah That's uh, here uh spoken like a guy who's one of the profiles he did was is exactly thirty years younger than him spoken like that I didn't know there were, i didn't know Colson was a name, and in fact, I think there were two Colson's in the first round, I think that's true unless i'm less I'm yeah. really freaking out uh so yeah, go figure uh Colson okay. Guys, I'm going to hit you with this. And I I know you're not prepped for this. I, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't talk about this earlier, but there's an, another, there's a 21st player, a uh, 21st player in this draft. He's already in the system. He's already moved rapidly up the system. Uh, he's hitting dingers. He's smiling. He's unbuttoned his Jersey down to his belly button. Uh, Eli. Eli Jims or, or something um what can you guys tell me about him uh is it a surprising he's moving so far up the system and when should we expect him uh on the south side and how effective is he going to be right off the bat Eli I think Eli well, maybe you guys have a yeah. One. yeah yeah
2: yeah um I would say probably early 2023, maybe. Uh, he seems like one of those guys, but, no. but uh, yeah, exciting, exciting. That's the ultimate trade line, trade deadline acquisition, I guess. Hopefully, it's not the only one, but um, yeah, I am.
0: I got a feeling, absolutely but... stoked
2: to uh, to yeah. watch him in a White Sox uniform again because he is a fun hitter to watch.
0: And this did sneak up, Darren. This snuck up faster than we thought. I mean, I mean, some of us were saying, including. Eeyore's like me. Some of us were saying, you know, he, he might not or maybe should not play this year. And of course, none of us, I think, thought he was going to be itching to play um, like at the All-Star break or bringing even prior to that. Uh, this is a pretty remarkable uh, recovery.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I always thought he was joking whenever he said he was getting close. So I'm pretty excited that he's actually uh, there by now. But I mean, if he if he's coming up soon, maybe they don't even have to add anybody.
0: I don't know. <laughs> oh, here are the rationalization's already beginning. Okay, in the spirit of Trevor Lyons, assigned to tell us a story about our first rounder dropping the state championship, <laughs> pop up to lose the game. In that spirit, uh, let's add on a really good note. Okay, assuming Aloy Jimenez will be playing the outfield, and he <laughs> is going to be playing the outfield uh does he get hurt again uh, year? <laughs> uh, in, in his first game back
1: playing outfield he committed an error
0: <laughs> but he stayed intact darren that's the key he's learning
1: i <laughs> uh, just play him a dh please uh do we Andrew have a Vaughn looks fine and left
0: do we have a crunch, though, when uh, Yasmani comes back and presumably will not at least be able to initially catch? Maybe, you know, again, I'll be the doomsayer and say maybe he won't be able to catch the rest of this year. Does that create a situation where Eloy just has to sit? Is it worth – okay, Darren, let me pose this to you then. Does he sit or does he play left field?
1: I think, well, when we're talking about Yasmani, um, knees always – for catchers always just are not a great subject. So I agree that he's probably not going to come back and catch right away. Um, But then again, they have such a big league. If they keep that, maybe they can just kind of slow walk it. um, So he gets ready to, you know, once you come down the stretch in October or September, October, you're probably going to be catching a lot more often than you are than he had been previously.
0: Okay. uh, Um, The best.
1: Yeah, sure. It's the best lineup first. Um, and they've already proved that they don't really care about defense. So I know that's how they're going to play it. Um, and so if I don't think Andrew Vaughn has done that well against righties, if I remember correctly. So if it's righties, I 100% Eloy left. And then I don't know if Robert's coming back this season or not, but then you have angle in center and then maybe you have angle play two thirds of the outfield and Eloy just kind of stays put, hopefully. Um, honestly, he should just watch Andrew Vaughn often and just watch how he plays left. Very uh, kind of lackadaisical. Um, not that that's bad. Andrew mm-hmm. Vaughn isn't a speedster and needs to dive all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but
0: he, he's also not dead, so that that helps too. Yeah, he's also being caught yeah, in fishing now. I like uh, Darren. I think you may have um, coined the second half uh, slogan for the pocket schedule. Uh, White Sox twenty twenty one already proved that they could care less about. It. Defense. I like that. That's very snappy. And it probably also apt. Okay. Uh, Trevor, um, you of the fable, this, this, this legendary story that probably isn't true about dropping a fly ball on a JGM. <laughs> All right. What's your call on whether or not, or <laughs> presuming a boy plays in the outfield, will he survive the season intact?
2: Um, yes, that's my call. Uh, I don't really have anything to back <laughs> up, but that's, that's my call. Uh, I obviously in a perfect world, stick him at DH. But like you said, yeah, if Grandal can't catch, that creates a major log jam, especially now that Vaughn is starting to heat it up even against right-handed pitching. So Mm -hmm. I think um, like Darren was saying, if we can slow play Grandal and stick Eloy at DH until Grandal is ready to catch, that would be the ideal situation. But if for some reason he's not able to catch throughout the playoffs, um, I think Beloy has to be out and left. And you may move on to right field against um, left-handed pitching. I don't know. I mean, he's played all over the place. He's played left field, right field's a little bit more of a beast. But like Darren said, they've proven that they don't really care much about defense.
0: Yeah. Well, as long as you can stay out of the fishing net and off the wall and let's maybe you can, you know, the (laughs) the eighth time is the charm. All right. uh, For uh, Darren Black, our regular on the farm guy, Turner Lines. Uh, crashing it, wearing the cap, uh, telling these crazy legendary uh, stories about guys dropping pot flies in a championship game. And for, in absentia, more or less, uh, Jeremy Carl, who I believe has ascended up to heaven with Eloy, taking Eloy's spot as Eloy comes back down to earth and is playing (laughs) in Charlotte now. Uh, Thank you for listening, as always, watching sometimes, reading Southside Sox. We'll be back next week with another On the Farm podcast. And there's a rumor, Dugout Metrics might even be back. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) And uh, we'll be talking again to you very soon.